Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And I have a question for you. Have you ever struggled to break through to a whole new level as far as when it comes to reaching that next level of audience growth? Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever felt like, why am I not seeing significant massive growth in the number of people who are consuming the content that I create. And I know that I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that specifically for myself, but I know that occasionally that thought comes to my mind, especially when I think about the fact that one day I have this desire and this dream and this crazy goal of filling stadiums with tens of thousands of people and and I and I look at my audience today and say how will that ever be possible unless I grow significantly this the number of people who are aware of who I am and the value that I bring to the world and and necessary and not only just that but but who feel that value who who resonate on a very deep heart level with that, I mean, it, these aren't people that just aw- are aware of me, who have come to, to know, like, and trust me. But these are people who would be so compelled that ten thousand of them at a time would come to a stadium. And I look at the number of people who are consuming my content today, and I'm thinking, there's a gap. <laughs> there's a gap. And when I think about some of the things that. I've done in the past that have helped me to, I, at one point, I was creating content and doing things in such a way that my wife and I, through the various different podcasts that we were producing, we were reaching over 160,000 different human beings every single week who were hearing our voices. And... Today, that number is much less because I've decided not to do some of those things that I once did, which now that I'm thinking about this, maybe there's a strategy there. Okay, that, that's a side tangent, not what this is about. But then it got me to thinking, am I sabotaging the growth of my audience subconsciously? Am I subconsciously doing things to hinder my ability to reach more people because of the beliefs that I have in my mind about what it would mean if I reached more people. Would I actually, by reaching more people, would I go against who I am and what I feel called to do in this world? And yet, some of what I feel called to do is to reach way more people than I'm currently reaching. And this thought about the fact that maybe I have a belief system that needs to be addressed about my desire to reach 
every single human being and connect with them on a personal level and respond to every single email, maybe it's my feeling and belief that that's what I should do to to successfully let people know that that they matter. Wow. The the reality is is that as a human being it's not possible for me to to reach to have a stadium full of people with 10,000 people and if even a half a percent of them email me I it'd be a full-time job over the next year just to respond to every person individually and and so I'm wondering now have I subconsciously been doing things to sabotage what it would take for me to grow my audience and and to get the exposure and sometimes do I make decisions that will actually turn some people away so that less people would feel compelled to email this is crazy and none of this by the way would have ever come into my mind as a thought had it not been for what I'm about ready to play for you which is a conversation that I had with Sarah Warner and I'm super excited about this conversation, and it is not an interview, and the importance and distinction between conversation and interview will become quite evident in just a few minutes here when I transition over to that conversation. I want you to know the conversation that I had with Sarah Warner is one hour and 21 minutes in length, and this intro is already over five minutes in length, so this is a lengthier episode, that in and of itself is going to keep some people just from hitting the play button. And I hate that because this episode has so much value packed inside. I mean, I, I am currently 43 and a half minutes through listening back to that episode because I wanted to take notes. I'm like, you know, what, how, it's been weeks since I talked to Sarah and recorded this. Uh, I in so far, here's the notes. Why did I almost cancel this interview with Sarah? My feelings on sub creating substandard con- content. Uh, wh- what do you do when you feel called to talk about yourself? Uh, the importance of my of a mission statement and how that can help you stay on track with the kind of content that you create. Uh, value proposition statements, elevator pitches. Uh, how Sarah and I met, and more importantly, the discussion that spawned on that, and that's the idea of how you make people feel. Uh, you know, why do some people stand out when others don't, and how do you become a person who stands out? My dream of actually meeting Dan Miller, and and what am I going to do to stand out in his mind, and how that actually did happen. Although I don't think we went into that that very deeply. Uh, the idea of scaling your desire to care for everyone that comes into your path. Every, but you, you, and here's, here's where it starts, where this topic, where I'm opening the show with. I realize that for some reason, I have this desire to communicate individually to each person in my community that I care about you and that you matter. But for some reason, it didn't hit me until I started talking about what happened at Free the Dream and my desire to have a meaningful conversation with every human being present at that event. Now, as as it was, there were 87 people at the event, and it was possible for me to do that. But had there been 300 at that event, it would not have been possible. And and that's where all of this comes from. And so with that, my friends, the question I have is, 
do I need to shift my beliefs about what it means to communicate to people that, hey, you exist, I acknowledge that, and you matter, and I care deeply about you. And my belief right now is that if you were to send me an email, for me to be able to communicate that to you, I must respond to your email. I mean, if it's a, just a personal note, a quick question, you know, it, it's not related to anything business, it's not related to anything that you've purchased, but just if you just sent me a personal note and said, hey, Cliff, you know, I really appreciate the content, do you mind answering this quick question for me? It would be very helpful to me. And right now, my belief is that, well, of course, I acknowledge that you exist, I believe that you matter, and I care deeply about you, and I want you to succeed because that's what I feel called to do is help people who um, I've had the privilege of reaching with my content. I want to help them succeed. And so my belief is that for me to communicate to you that you matter, I must hit reply on that email. Or if you come to my live event, I must have a meaningful conversation with you. And I realize that there has to be a different way And all of that would have never happened had I not had this conversation with Sarah Warner. And all the notes that I just shared with you, that's just where we got the halfway point through this conversation. Uh, And and it's been so many weeks, I don't even know what happened after 43 minutes into this yet because I felt so compelled. This is how I'm going to introduce my conversation with Sarah Warner, which I'm going to play for you right now. So Sarah, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I, oh boy. I almost emailed you yesterday and canceled this interview. Tell me more. So, okay. I've been doing these interviews for the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And I'm thinking, what a great opportunity for me to create content, uh, just to have conversations with people who I do life with through the products and services that I offer. And it's an opportunity for me to get to know them. And, and I'm just like, I'm thinking this is going to, this is a brilliant marketing idea. It's a brilliant just content creation. I know that, you know, for whatever reason, I just thought it was a wonderful idea until I started to do these interviews and realize this is not the kind of content that I have in mind when it comes to the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And so I, I'm not kidding you. I fired up an email uh, yesterday uh, addressed to you, subject line, <laughs> I am so sorry or something like that. And, it's, and, and I probably crafted the email. I was about 20 minutes into the email. Uh, with my explanation of you know why I started doing these interviews, my thought process behind it, um, my feelings about you know the the conversation with my friend Clint Schumacher, it went pretty well. I had just done featured all these speakers from Free the Dream, um, and then I had a conversation with Paul Thompson, and I felt like that was pretty decent. And I've gotten some okay feedback from folks, and, but then then it, I, I recorded a couple more conversations. And are not conversations, interviews. And and I'm getting to the place where it's like, okay, this is all fascinating for me because I'm connected to these individuals. But when I think about the podcast episodes or the podcasts that do interview format that I listen to, I realize I delete any interview that is done by a podcaster where the interviewee is somebody that I have no idea who they are. Yes. Oh, interesting. And not to mention the fact that I'm just not the greatest 
interviewer. And I, I was able to, I mean, it, it's okay. You know, Cliff can be, you know, Cliff, listen to him talk about himself in the third person. Um, it's royal. Yeah. So the thing is, is I can be forgiven for a, a handful of so-so episodes, substandard, subpar episodes. Not the, not, I, I avoid, I'm hesitant to even speak these words into this episode, which by the way, I'm recording right now. Um, I'm hesitant to even say these words out loud because I don't want anybody that I've interviewed to think that they're substandard, that they're subpar. It's just, I'm just talking about my own skill as an interviewer. And Sarah, Sarah, when I, okay, this is going to sound terrible, but when I think about the Cliff Ravenscraft show, one of the reasons why I shifted it from the podcast answer man after hundreds and hundreds of episodes of the podcast Answer Man, the reason why I shifted it to the Cliff Ravenscraft show is I was getting tired of people who were complaining about, well, this he call, it's called the podcast Answer Man, but this guy is just talking about himself all the time. And I'm like, well, in a way, that's what I feel called to do in this world. Yeah. When, so if you don't mind, do you mind if I be if I'm just a little self-indulgent for a moment? No. Oh my gosh. You do you. <laughs> oh, thank you. So I want to read to you something. This is, this is uh, years ago, I was encouraged to create a mission statement for myself, like a personal mission statement. And I want to read to you my mission statement. If I can find it, it is right here. So listen to this. My, okay. my mission, first and foremost, is to pursue the life for which I was created. I am always learning and I share my experiences or I share experiences from my journey in life, my successes, failures, my fears, hopes, dreams, etc. And what I'm learning from these experiences in an authentic and transparent way with the intent to provide education encouragement, and inspiration that motivates others to take their own life to the next level. I'm committed to generating the amount of income that allows me to meet the needs needs and goals of my family and to fulfill my mission in the world. I create content, products, and services and promote the content, products, and services of others that add great value to people's lives. I'm committed, I am committed to setting new goals, achieving them, and then sharing the results so that I may help others find ways of doing the same in their life. I am consistently expanding my mindset of what is possible and always looking for ways to help others do the same. I am a follower of Jesus who authentically attempts to live out my faith, though I may fail miserably at times in a way that encourages others. When asked, I'm always prepared to give a reason for the hope that I have in Jesus with gentleness and respect. That's my mission statement. Do you notice that it's my mission is I want to share me. I want to share my journey. I want to share my thoughts. I want to share my feelings. I want to share my words. I want to share. I want me to share me with the world. And, and it's yeah. like, and isn't that the pure definition of the narcissist? And no. well, no, a narcissist is like in a bad way. It's well, it's a it's an obsession with yourself. Exactly, and and I'm I'm while I I don't feel that I'm obsessed with myself. I do feel called to share my life, and where this came from is that I literally 
started just producing content into the world back in December 2005 with my wife. First with the TV show Lost, then Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, the Heroes TV show. I mean, more than 30 different podcasts in the past 12 years, over 3,700 podcast episodes. And the one thing that everybody says is, you know what I love is I love how you and your wife, you just talk about what's going on in your mind, what you're learning, and I get the most value from this. So, Here's the deal. So I record these interviews, right? Yeah. And and I'm just like, this is, I feel like this content is just taking me so far off course from what I feel created to put out to the world. And so I recorded two more episodes and I'm like, these, they're interviews mm. and they're not terrible interviews. I like them. I think they're valuable to me, but I know those people. I have a great desire to learn more about their backstories but it's not the kind of content that I feel called to create to put out to the world. And so I had these two pre-recorded episodes and then I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to record an episode of me just hand-holding my, I'm going to go back. I'm going to hold my recorder in my hand. I went out to lunch and recorded while I was driving to lunch, just me telling what's going through my mind. And people like, oh my gosh, thank you for that episode. I don't mind the interviews. They're not my favorite, but <laughs> blah, 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 you know? And so I'm like, yeah. That, so I, it was a right thing for me to do. I, it's like, okay. So I've got these two banked interviews. I still don't know what to do with them yet. I'm trying to figure that out. And last week, I had two more of those interviews scheduled. Did you hear the episode with Ron Gibson, by the way? Not yet, but he and I talked about it. So he said it was, well, I'll let you. No, you tell me what you, I want to hear. Just tell me, what did he say? He said, he said it was great. He said it was just like a, he was like, it was just a conversation. He's like, we went a little off uh, what we had originally planned on talking about. He's like, but it was really great. It was organic and it was a, a good discovery process. Exactly. So here's the interesting thing. So I was having these, I was having these doubts about interviewing more people, right? But I had I'd had two interviews in the bank, and I mean, they're pure interviews. They're Cliff Ravenscraft trying to be Barbara Walters. I don't know who I thought I was, but it just was not happening. On a scale of one to 10, I think there's, one of them's probably about a five, and one of them's about a 6.5 out of 10. And I'm like, and, it's, and again, it's not the guests, it's Cliff Ravenscraft. It's just not my thing. It's not who it's not who I was created to be in this world is to be an interviewer. So those are just sitting there. And then last week, I have two interviews scheduled, one with Ron Gibson and another one with another member of the Next Level Mastermind, Jake Lang. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I know I can't have another interview. I, I just, I will not do another interview. So I basically shared everything that I just shared with you with them before we hit record. And I said, listen, I want to have a conversation and I don't care how this goes. I I probably should have come up with a topic. I want you to actually be more of a co-host with me. And so Ron and I did that last week and that actually came out really well. In fact, there's some great feedback that I just received today from somebody. uh, His name is Matt Perkins. Matt, shout out to you. Matt Perkins gave me some great feedback. He's like, man, I love that. But he even said he was going to go back and listen to it a second time. It was that valuable. So That's Ron, legit. yeah, Ron, thank you so much. And again, it was a conversation and it came off well, even though it was, it was originally right up to the minute we first connected, it was, best, it was supposed to be an interview. So I shifted that right on him on the spot. Now, the thing is, is I did the same thing to Jake. 
You know, Jake was like, he was literally one hour after I recorded with Ron, which by the way, goes out this Friday. So by the time people are hearing this, it was several weeks ago because I've recorded content since then. I, this is all crazy. <laughs> all right. So the thing is, is though Jake and I went into the same thing. We're going to have a conversation. And I would say it was 80% conversation. And for whatever reason, I like for 20% of it, about two thirds of the way in, I went back into interview mode. And I'm like, oh, what am I doing? This, it's like, ah, if, if I, I know it would have been better had I prepared Jake in advance. Let's have a conversation. Let's, let's even create some outline of where we're going to go in our conversation. What, if you were my co-host, I w- we wouldn't just hit record and just talk about anything. We would actually just, I mean, when I do a solo show, I at least have an idea of where this thing's going to go. You know, it's kind of like I'm a taxi driver of a, you know, or I'm an Uber driver. You at least want to know the destination you're heading to, right? It doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get to the destination. It's kind of important, yeah. (laughs) But we had no destination. And so, because we had no destination, I'm just making stuff up on the road, and and I fell back into interview mode. So, basically, if you can imagine, why on earth would I craft an email and I spend 20 minutes trying to put all of that in the email to you to say that I want to cancel? And I'm thinking, wait a second. I would be so angry if I was invited on somebody's podcast and they, they wrote me an email to tell me that they were canceling the interview with me. And they actually made me spend, you know, 15 minutes of my life reading the reason why they decided to do it. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> no, I'm not canceling on Sarah. I figure well, we're, we're going to figure this out. And so, Sarah, welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. <laughs> Cliff, thank you so much for having me. I am so freaking delighted to be here. Oh, I love this. And and I love um, talking about getting back into your mission statement. What a what a beautiful thing to realize. What an important thing to realize. And and also what an important thing maybe even to to skew away from it a little bit to realize how exactly important it was to you and to the content you're creating. It is. Uh, I mean, gosh, the interesting thing is this, I can't remember... Actually, I do because this was a little feature of Evernote that I did not note. This note was created on August 27th, 2013 and updated most recently on June 28th, 2018. So I actually created this mission statement in 2013. Now, I started my business. I was full-time self-employed January 2008. So I did not have this language until... August 2013, because I, re- I actually, for the very first time, created the note in Evernote to type up my mission statement. So the interesting thing is that I was already doing this. I was living out this mission through the content that I was creating without actually having words to describe what I was doing. So do you know the story of how I started podcasting as a hobby and turned it into a full-time career and I became the podcast answer man, blah, 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 blah. Yes. And it's not blah, 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 because it's important and good. But yes, I know. (laughs) So the interesting thing is that in, it was right around January, February, 2007. All right. I'd been podcasting for a year as a hobby, a full year as a hobby. When I started to have this crazy thought, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead of selling insurance. 
And by the way, I didn't know what this was, except that I, I did, but I didn't. And all I can tell you is that when I said, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead, it was not become the podcast answer man, the world's leading authority in podcast coaching and consulting. That is not what this was. What this was, at the time, the best I could describe it is that I created a bunch of content, I've put it into the world, and people are responding in droves. And every single day, I get hundreds of emails from people around the world who are asking me sincere, heartfelt questions that really are at the core of who they are and what they believe, and they're literally asking me for my opinion and my experience in life, and as a result of the responses that I'm giving them in personal emails, and some of them, like, this, some of these questions came up so frequently, and some of the things that were, the, the, what they were asking was so important that I felt like the, the question, I needed to respond to it by creating a piece of content specifically addressing this, because I know many people need to hear this. And I would, I'm like, I got that email and I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend the next two and a half hours outlining an entire podcast episode on this topic. All right. And I did. I'm like the next two and a half hours, I'm literally just full on in outline mode. And then get this, I'm actually at the office doing this. I'm actually at the insurance office during my 40 hours a week where I'm being paid to be the guy who's selling insurance, servicing existing clients. And what am I doing? I'm outlining my next podcast episode. And I'm feeling guilty, you know, because I'm stealing from the family business. I'm literally robbing them because they're paying me for something that I'm not giving them. And when I say, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this for a living instead, it's like, I wonder what life would be like if I could do this without the distraction of the day job, without the restraint of other people telling me what I, what I need to do, when I need to do it, who I need to do it for. I want to be, I want to find some way where I could have the freedom and the flexibility to do all of this stuff that I feel most called to do in the world. I just want, I, is there a way that I can make money that would allow me the free, that, that would allow me the freedom to do this? And, and naturally for me, and the story goes, is that I found a way to become very financially profitable over time as the world's go-to authority for podcast coaching and consulting. But, and then of course, eventually that actually became the distraction that I started to ask. I wonder what would life be like if I could go do this <laughs> instead of podcast coaching and consulting. Anyway. Yeah, so the, the the this so going back to your question, it's, yeah, it was weird because this was just like answering emails. It was this was outlining that episode, but that language when I finally said, "Hey, what is my mission? What is my purpose? What am I called to do?" It's like, wow, it's it's you know what? It's me. Number one, first and foremost, always looking to take my own life to the next level. You know, I'm always growing. I realize where most people are finding value from what I'm doing is I'm authentically sharing all of my experiences. Yes, I talk a lot about the things that are going great in my life, but the things that most people resonate with is when I'm failing and I openly, authentically, and transparently literally talk about how I've totally screwed up, how I'm feeling emotionally about it. I mean, the reality is, is Sarah, there's people are going to be more connected to all of this crud that I've just talked about in the first 18 minutes so far 
than than the interview that you and I would have. That that's where the value people. It's like wow. Who talks about that publicly? It's probably best to just carry on and change things and delete things and cancel interviews and just move on with your life. You sweep it under the rug uh, and yes. move on. But man, Cliff talks about that. And so, yeah, it, it, for me, it's like, you know what? I feel, and it, it, it's very clear. Who am I? I, number one, my, my mission and purpose, I create content products and services that entertain, educate, encourage, and, other, and inspire other people, specifically with the, with the destination of helping them become more of who they were created to be. And of course, I can only do that if I'm consistently working towards becoming more of who I was created to be. And I'm taking all of my successes, failures, the things that I'm learning, and authentically and transparently sharing them through content, products, and services. Yeah, discovering that mission statement all of a sudden just opened my eyes and I've never had more clarity since the day I decided to take that action of creating that mission statement. I love it. I love it. And I love that you say, you know, oh, this note was created in 2013, but it was last updated in 2018. I think that that's important too, is to show that that mission can change and grow as you level up. Yeah, and you know the interesting thing is the 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 interesting part of that is the the wording of the mission statement has only slightly shifted, uh, so very little of that has changed. But the 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 note in Evernote has other things such as a value proposition statement is in there. Ooh. So my value proposition statement used to say, "I am a podcast coach and consultant, and I help people. I help." Uh, coaches, thought leaders create engaging podcast content so that they can take their message and business to the next level. So that the, the my value proposition statement is the one that keeps changing in here. So my current one is, my name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I am a business and life coach. I mentor coaches, consultants, and thought leaders through the transition from their unfulfilling day job to their own responsible and profitable online business so that they can live the life of their dreams and do the work they feel most called to do in the world. And that one, let me tell you, that value, the, the little minute words there, those have shifted quite a bit, as you can imagine, over the past year and the past several years. Oh, I can't imagine. I absolutely can. And that's that's fantastic that it that you're willing to um to kind of grow with it. I, I think so I'm a writer by trade and I, you know, I've always been a writer. And I think part of what we do in creating mission statements, but also in writing is to create identities and to live into these identities. And I think that having a mission statement gives you the identity because it's, you know, essentially a name that you've created. It's a very long name, uh, but it's a name that you've created. It gives you an identity to live into. And it really helps you remember who you are and why you're here and what you're doing. And so I think that that's just such a powerful thing. And especially uh, with the I was trying to remember what you were calling it, unique value proposition. Yeah, the value proposition statement, VPS. VPS, VPS, yes. It's just, um, it can be so powerful to have that in words as a constant reminder of who you are and what you're here to do. Absolutely. Yeah, and the, and the VPS, by the way, I got that originally from Michael Hyatt, and it's, it's a very fancy way of saying your elevators pitch, right? It's, yeah. you know, when somebody asks you, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a business and, and life coach and I help, I mentor coaches, uh, authors, thought leaders through the transition from an unfulfilled. I, the thing is, is you, it's not important that you memorize it word for word because I will say variations from it. It's the important thing is that you know what the statement is 
and then you can uniquely modify it. When somebody asks you who you are, it's funny how I modify it to fit more uniquely custom to who they are as a result of what I've discovered in the conversation with them so far. So for example, uh, I I probably wouldn't say thought leaders, whatever. I help authors and writers, you know, Mm -hmm. mentor them through the, uh, you know, creating a a profitable and responsible online business, products and services that allow them to do the work to, to, uh, to make an incredible, wealthy living from their writing, you know? So that's how I might modify it for somebody like yourself. Anyway, yeah, the one thing that I love about the mission statement is that it it does help you when you realize you're when you start to veer away from what you feel called to do in this world, such as doing a bunch of podcast interviews. <laughs> um, it's very it, it's like wait a second, something's not right here. And the reason why it's very clear to me that it's not right is because I am so clear on what my identity and what my purpose is, and. While I should have thought about it when I started this idea, it's like, hey, let me think about this this marketing idea of having all of these interviews. Does this align with the content I feel called to create in the world? And if I would have asked myself that question in the beginning, I it would have probably been a very easy, let's not schedule all of these interviews, all right? Maybe let's schedule one and see how it goes. But no, what did I do? I I just like let me go ahead and send out a blank template to everybody that that is a member of the Next Level Mastermind. Let me all of these people, and I literally had eight people schedule within twenty four hours, and over the course of three weeks. And it's like, okay, now what do I do with all this? Yeah. <sighs> so Sarah, ask and you shall receive. Exactly. Um, you know what? I do want to talk to you about. First of all, I, I think it's a cool story how you and I met for the very first time. <laughs> so, it, and I, it, it's funny because I just brought this up to you recently. I think it was at Podcast Movement, and you're like, Cliff, I can't believe you remember that. Because oh, yeah. I think it was in Podcast Movement, maybe in Texas, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And I decided to take one of those airport shuttle buses that that got me to the airport because I, I, I think it was like one of those it, it must have been the Dallas Fort Worth airport and I can't remember if it, if it was po- it was in Dallas or if it was in Fort Worth because podcast movement has been in both places but I just know that that's an incredibly long Uber drive and I'm like you know they got these cheap buses let me just get on one of these and then I'm sitting in the front seat next to the driver and there's this woman in the back seat says, are you Cliff Ravenscraft? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, and, and I got to just tell you, just, just so you know, because it's like, I love when this happens. I do. It's like, <laughs> you know, it, I just, it's, a, it's one of those little ego things, you know, it's like, oh, this is so cool. And I love that this is happening in front of a, a group of other people. You know, it just, it's like, I'm just authentically sharing. I know that nobody should actually ever say those words out loud, but I did. It made me feel special. And I come home, by the way, I come home from events like this. And my wife and I said, hey, just so you know, you need to let the air out of your head so that you can fit through the front door when you come home from these events. And we go out to, you know, we go out to dinner locally and, and it's, it's like we go and put our name on the list and they say, it'll be 45 minutes. It's like, wait a second, don't you know who I think I am? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we met because you're like, oh my gosh, you're Cliff Ravenscraft. And I'm like, and, and so we talked and you told me that you listened to my show. So 
how long had you been listening to my show at that point? I mean, because it's, it's, you were one of those people I'd never heard of before. You never reached out prior to saying, are you Cliff Ravenscraft in the front of the seat of this van? Because <laughs> that's how I roll. That's like my style, just like creeping on people in vans. Just that's what I do. Um, no, I'd been, I'd been listening for years. Um, I was a good friend of uh, Peter Adol, who you know. Um, and I, uh, I was a blogger. So I wasn't initially a podcaster and uh, my good friend Peter was like, Sarah, why are you not podcasting? And I think at this point it was 2013 or 2014. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm intimidated by everything. And so he referred me to your show and I started listening to it. And I think you you were, well, obviously you're onto something, but you were onto something earlier when you said, you know, people don't necessarily listen for the technical advice or the words that I give. They listen because I'm authentic and I'm willing to share the process. And that process is so hidden in so many places. And you really made it a clear and good thing. And you made it, in, in showing the process, the messy uh, debris scattered path that you kind of have to walk to make this a successful journey, uh, you made it possible. And I, and I really appreciate that. And so uh, I, I bought my ticket for podcast movement that year in part because I knew you were going like not to be creepy, but like, really? you know, it wasn't like the main reason, but it was like, oh man, I can meet some of my podcast heroes. Like this is going to be amazing. And then to, to meet you on the airport shuttle, um, it was just kind of one of those omens, like this is going to be a really good conference. <laughs> this is going to be a life-changing event. Um, so just thank you for uh, not treating me like a, a huge creep who's like, you know, fan stalking you, but like, cause I wasn't, it was, no, happens, no, it was, but, it was yeah. cool. I, I, <laughs> I was, I was delighted to have the conversation with you. I, I, it was really cool. So let me ask you that when you, when we met that very first time, did you have a podcast at the time? Mm-hmm. Okay. I did. I had a podcast and I was uh, brainstorming my second one. So yeah. What, and by the way, what's the name of the first podcast that you already had? The first podcast I already had is the Right Now podcast with Sarah Werner. And that's right as in W-R-I-T-E because puns. Uh, and then when I met you on the bus, I was at Podcast Movement, not only to like stalk you. I should stop saying this because people are going to think that I was actually stalking no, you. No, you were not stalking. I'm joking. Okay. Uh, I was also there to uh, promote my new show that had not yet come out called Girl in Space, which is a sci-fi audio drama mystery. <sighs> I so want to talk about that because... <laughs> Okay, so we met, and and of course we saw each other again at the event, and that that was kind of about the that was the genesis of us connecting, and we really did not see each other ever again until Podcast Movement two thousand eighteen this year in Philadelphia. That was the very yes. next time, so it was at least a year, maybe two years in between. Uh, us meeting each other. And and so at Podcast Movement 2018, I'm like, Sarah, how are you? And you're like, oh my gosh, you remember who I am. And I'm like, yeah, how could I not? You know, because you were that girl who made me feel important, you know, on that bus that day. You know, it's like, it's amazing how, you know, that just sticks in your mind, right? Yeah. How people make us feel. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, a friend of mine, uh, David H. Foster, he's went on to be with the Lord today. Uh, he passed away several years ago, but one of the, he was a pastor and one of the, um, he had this amazing sermon series. He pre- he preached a six, I think it was a six week sermon series, or it might've been a four week sermon series. But anyway, uh, but the day that he died, uh, he preached the final um 
uh, message of a of a multi-part series on it was either the four people you'll meet on the way to heaven or the six people you'll meet on the way to heaven. And it was so interesting that everything was all about like, you know, what life is going to be like, you know, when you die. And he's talking, I mean, it's just, and so here he dies right after this, right? Incredible story. But anyway, one of the things he says is like, listen, when, when you're dead and gone, nobody will remember all the all the fancy words that you said. They'll never remember all of the things that you owned, all of your crazy accomplishments. The one thing people will always remember and they will never forget is how you made them feel. My Angelo said it this way. People may forget what you say. They may even forget what you do, but they will never forget how you made them feel. That is yes. the one thing that people will remember, how you made them feel. And that had a radical, profound impact on my life. And, and, and so it's amazing to me is what stood out about Sarah Warner among, and by the way, I met so many, I met hundreds of people at Podcast Movement for the very first time that today, if I was to meet them at another conference, I would say, hey, it's great to meet you. It's like, no, Cliff, we met and talked for 15, 20 minutes a couple years ago. And, and it's not that they're not important or anything like that. It's just that they don't stick out because there were so many people I met. But why did Sarah, and, it, and it's amazing how, and, and I think this is a valuable thing for us to think about and ponder, hey, how can we make an impression on people? And what can I do to intentionally uh, engage somebody in a way that they will feel important, that they will feel valued. And and I got to tell you, it has to be more than just words. Because, you know, the thing is, is I have a number of people who come up to me and say, Cliff, I just got to tell you how important the content you've, you're, you do is important to me and how much it's changed my life. And you would think that that would make me feel things. But there are so many people that say those words and and it doesn't have that same level of deep down connection that where I'll remember you two years from now. Hmm. And, and the interesting thing, Sarah, is it reminds me of when I met Dan Miller for the very first time. I had a goal, a desire, a dream of meeting Dan Miller. And I set a goal and I said, listen, I want to meet Dan Miller. And I want to tell him how much his book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, has had a radical, profound impact in my life. And more specifically, I want to tell him specifically some stories about how I've shared that message with other people and how they've told me it's changed their lives. And so not only how he's changed my life, but how he, my life, but how his message has helped me transform the lives of other people. And I even went more specific, but I don't want to meet him at a conference where after a talk, I'm one of 25 people in line who tells him the story where he goes out to lunch and he forgot that he ever knew me or that he ever saw me. I mm-hmm. want to be able to have an opportunity to have a conversation with Dan where at the end of the day or a week later or three weeks later, if you ever mention the name Cliff Ravenscraft, he'll say, oh, that's that guy that I had a conversation with. And so it's, it's, it's like I, when I think about that, I, it's like I want to have an engagement with somebody where they will remember. And, and I know for a fact that you know my intention was I want to make sure he understands the weight of his influence in the world and that I want to make sure that he feels awesome about the work that he's doing. There's so much here. I feel like there's so much here to unpack. You know, we talk about 
making memorable experiences. We talk about, um, and this could go in any number of directions. You know, I was in marketing for 10 years and we can talk about what it means to like really engage your audience and create a memorable experience because we're in the experience economy. Like this is what matters to us as people. Um, and it, it's, it's just something that, um, there's also a lot of parts that play into it, like the context, like meeting you on an airport shuttle, like that in itself was memorable just because of the weird location, like yep. who meets somebody in an, in an airport shuttle. And so, you know, so it might, I'm not necessarily going to say, yes, you should be engineering weird places to meet people because <laughs> yeah, they'll remember right. it more. But I, I think that is certainly a factor there. I, I think that, um, when we when we talk and when we interact with other people, there's a tendency to make it about ourselves. And you dropped the word narcissist a little yep. bit earlier in the beginning of our conversation. O- only because I've been accused of that in the past. I need to talk to this person because it's I don't think you're a narcissist. But but again, I'm not a, a you know psychologist, so what do I know? Um, but but there's that little thing in all of us. There's that ego. There's that head inflating thing that we really like, yeah. and we like to talk about ourselves. But I, I think the I think the one of the things that can also create a memorable experience is your willingness to listen. Yes, and I've noticed that when I've met people too. Um, I introduce myself, but I also say. I would love to hear more about your story. And um, I, I think that when you're not just shouting one way at, pers- at a person and like holding up a megaphone to them and just saying like, hey, I'm Sarah and this is important to me. But if you create a two-way channel and you let them participate and engage with you, I think that that creates a more memorable experience as well. It does. It does. And I, I'm trying to find a way to scale this. <laughs> and, and I don't know that it's possible. <laughs> Uh, as you know, we, we had free the dream conference and we had 87 people there and it was awesome. thank you. And one of the, th- I had my youngest daughter, McKenna, I'm sure you got to meet her. Oh yeah. So McKenna was going around and she said, dad, is there anything I can do to help you at the event? And I said, yes, I want you to be in charge of this very important list. And she goes, seriously, dad, is that, is that all you want me to do? And it's like, yeah, but you got to understand the, the importance of this list. There are 87 people at this conference and every single person's name is on this list. And my goal is to have a quote unquote meaningful conversation with every single person over the course of these four days. Now, the conference was three days, but some of those people were speakers and and people that work for me and and stuff like that for putting this event together. They were on this list as, as well. So I said, the thing is, is I need to make sure that nobody leaves this weekend without their name being highlighted. So she had her highlighter and she at, the, at every break, she's like, Dad, is there anybody else that you've talked to that I can say that you've had this meaning, meaningful conversation with? And so we pulled it off successfully. Every, actually, I don't know, were you still hanging around during the closing keynote and everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so at the close, I said, wait a second, I, need, I, I read three people's names off the list. It's like, I know we, we talked, but you and I, we did not have a meaningful conversation. And I know we've been on cruises together and stuff, but you're here and you and I have not connected. We have not updated one another. I need these three individuals right here do not leave with that. So that if if my dream and my goal is to have all of these events with thousands and then tens of thousands of people, mm. it's it's ridiculous. There's no way I can I can do this and and I'm also dealing with the fact that I came back from Free the Dream first time in my life I've ever went 2 full months without hitting inbox zero. 
in twelve Ooh. in twelve years, Sarah, I have I to this day, from the day I created my very first piece of content, and and at one point with all the different shows, there are a total of about a hundred and sixty thousand people around the world who listen to our voice every week, and hundreds of those people emailing consistently to this day i've still i've still replied personally to every single human being who's ever emailed me and this since free the dream this is the first time i'd ever been two months behind on responding to personal emails and this past week i finally got back to inbox zero and 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 you know just how do you make people feel you know it's, it's one of those things and the reality is is I know that what I'm trying to do, I can't continue. I can't even, I, I need to even change my goal and I need to even change my desire. I need to actually, where I want to go in life necessitates that I end the goal of inbox zero, that mm. I end the goal of personally responding to every single person. I, it, it, I, I'm at a place where that actually needs to change like right about now. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting to me. I had a few questions come to mind when you were saying that, and it might even also mean taking a look at what does a meaningful conversation really mean to me? And what are my limits as a human being? And it sounds like you're kind of addressing that one with, uh, okay, maybe inbox zero is no longer feasible. Um, but, but, Oh gosh. And, and I hate limitations. And so part of me even hates to acknowledge that we have limitations because I feel like in this beautiful, you know, we have all this technology, we should be able to overcome these silly limits, like not being able to, you know, have a 64 hour day in which we can respond to all of our emails. Like, so to some degree, limitations seem meaningless or frivolous or easy to overcome, but in a, in a way they're also very real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so dealing with that can be difficult as well. So I don't even know if that means going back and redefining what some of these things mean. Well, or yeah. I, the first question, I know that meaningful conversation to me means that you feel heard mm. and you feel that you, that you rec- that I've recognized that you exist in this world and that you feel that I have expressed to you either audibly or or uh, consciously or unconsciously or subconsciously, you feel that I have expressed to you that you're that you matter. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, and, absolutely. And, and so, because I can tell you right now, it it blows people's mind. It's like the the number when I reply to somebody's email, the number one response from my response is, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just got an email from Cliff Ravenscraft." they're blown away. It's like I had no, I, I, and that, that includes the people who say meaning nasty things to me. You know, they'll write me a mean and nasty emails. Like, I can't believe you did this, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. You know, do you still, and you still respond to them? I it, love it, that. If it's, if it's, if it is a, if it is a dr- genuine critique and it's not just a nasty hater, I mean, I, I have a dedicated troll that, that, <laughs> that does not get responses from me. But anyway, the thing is, is that, 
Yeah, I mean, there's some people out there that said, you know, hey, I really love your show, but quite frankly, I think you're you're kind of losing your touch. Um, I, you know, I, I think that you're going in the wrong direction, and I disagree with some of the content that you've been creating lately. And I was like, and, and some of those people were like in the podcast Answerman days. I really wish you would get back to the more technical and and quit talking about your fitness journey so much. And I'm like, hey, I really appreciate that, and you know. If if I were trying to maintain my identity as a podcast consultant and coach, I, I, I you would be absolutely right. But the reality is, is I'm I'm making a transition. Uh, it's not as clean as I as I would have hoped it would have been. I'm kind of I, I feel kind of wishy washy at times about how I'm approaching it, and and I recognize that that can create content that's just not what you're looking for. And so I apologize if you need to unsubscribe. I certainly understand and. You know, hey, no hard feelings if if you know you're no longer listening on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, I, I'll hate to see you go, uh, because I, I hope that the content that I'm creating is is making a positive impact in people's lives. But if it's not what you're looking for, I understand. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that you would read that. You know, I thought somebody on your team would read that, and maybe it would come up in a meeting somewhere. I'm like, listen, my team is me and my wife, and and I have one virtual <laughs> assistant. Seriously, and. and <laughs> You know, it's, it's seriously, it's, it's me, dude. I read your email. All right. I get it. You don't like the content and the direction I'm going. It's okay. Yeah. It's not for everyone. And as you change, I mean, your content will change and you've been very steadily leveling up over the past few years. So of course it makes sense that your content, the show you're producing will level up with you. The next thing that you said, Sarah, is that the question is, is you know, you can't continue to do that. And the, the thing is, is I could. I could continue to make it my goal and my mission to respond to everyone. And if I make, and, and I have done that, and I can tell you unconsciously what has happened as a result. I've unconsciously or subconsciously made the decision to not do things that would massively grow my audience. And I will tell you that I, in, in hindsight, I look at the fact that my goal, my mission originally was to have 300 people, no less than 300 people at the very first Free the Dream event. Mm. And when I look back at the things that I knew I could have done and woulda, shoulda, kind of, you know, all those things, I subconsciously chose not to do certain things. And, and I would imagine that some of that had the root of I wonder if if I go if I grow this thing too big too fast will I get to the place where that puts me so far behind in my business and then I come away with just 87 people and now I'm 2 months behind on emails and and I got to tell you it's like okay I I realize I I need to stop setting a goal of inbox zero I need to stop setting a goal of responding to every personal email I I I need to get rid of my of this obsession and compulsion of making sure that every Facebook notification has been marked read and deleted after I've made sure that I've read everybody's comment and responded to it. I need to get rid of the idea that my that I'm going to archive all finished conversations in Facebook Messenger. I need to it, this is it's a sickness cliff. You need help. <laughs> you can't do this. I mean, no, no wonder that you're, uh, I mean, here's, here I am, I'm talking to myself, right? No wonder I'm afraid of, of having a 10,000 person event because there's no way you're ever going, I mean, there's going to be, I mean, if I have a 10,000 person event 
And my email address is cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Anybody knows that, right? So what what if 1,500 people send me a 12-page email telling me how that weekend radically changed their life? I know I can't, there's, I can't even read the 1,500 emails, let alone respond to them. Mm-hmm. And and I and the thing is is Sarah I already know Michael Hyatt's talked about this for years. Andy Stanley's an American pastor who has this major mega church, and I've even talked about this idea. Well, I'll do for some what I wish I could do for everyone, you know. And and, and yeah, and I will. But I got to tell you, I'm at inbox zero today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, and 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 that needs to change. So what is what is enough for you? I mean, at some point, you know, we we talk about breaking past limitations, but you know, to some degree, is it a good idea to set limitations and to say, you know, this is who I am up to this point, and then after this point, I need to rest because I'm out of energy. Um, is it a good idea to say, uh, you know, I can respond to just a few and have that represent the many, but? How do you find satisfaction in that? And then how do you, um, I don't know, how do you continue to grow in the same way as, as a thought leader, as you said, um, and, and someone who does value genuine connection with everyone? I, the cool thing is, as a result of Free the Dream, I actually know the answer to that. And it re- well, tell me. <laughs> it, it, it requires that I uncover the belief systems. So the belief system are the, the, the list of actual beliefs that have led me, the, which, by the way, beliefs are the repeated or conditioned thoughts and emotions or thoughts and feelings that I believe to be certain to be true that lead to the action of compulsively wanting to respond to every human being that ever reaches out to me which leads to the result of, well, unconsciously choosing not to grow because you can't keep up. So, so what I would need to do is I would, need to, I would first need to evaluate and become aware of what those beliefs are that make up this belief system that leads to the action of compulsively wanting to respond to everyone. And then I need to actually say, okay, well, I need different beliefs because the, I, one thing I know, I feel called to do something in a much bigger way than what I'm current, how I'm currently showing up in the world. And that's not ego. It's just that I feel that God's put me on this earth to reach more people than I could ever personally respond to. That's something that I know I've been, I'm put on this earth. I know that I could fill a stadium at some point and down the road and, and I know that that would necessitate that I give up on this idea, but I need to actually change my beliefs of, like you said, how much is enough? Um, wh- wh- the question is, what would I have to believe hmm. for me to be able to see 28 emails come in tomorrow morning and archive them without reading them? <laughs> I know. That, I know. I feel the same way you do. I, I like, like to respond personally to everything. Oh my like, gosh. The the thought of that just <laughs> makes me cringe. I mean, it, it's like, because I mean, the, the, I mean, there's a serious belief system that says that is not right. 
Right, right. And it's based in fear of missing out of something. It's based in fear of how people will perceive you for dismissing them. Fear that by dismissing an email, you are dismissing a person. I mean, I could, I could list 80 different fears right here. Yeah. So I don't, I, I have the answer of what needs to happen. I don't have the specifics on how I'm going to make it happen. Okay. So what, what needs to happen? Well, what needs to happen is I need to address the, the the belief system. So first and foremost, so I need to know what the new beliefs are. The The thing is, is the, the question is, is that the only option? It's like, mm. seriously, are you just going to have 28 emails in your inbox and just archive them as if they don't exist? No. Okay. Are there other options? Well, is there, you know, do I, do I make sure that I'm doing things that financially I have more margin that I could hire a team member that can make sure that they're actually going through and perusing these, that if there's something serious that needs to be brought to my attention or that they feel like I would definitely want to read, that they can choose which are the few that will, that I will do for some, what I wish I could do for everyone. Is there, is there a mechanism in place where we could discern what are the most common things that come in and I could actually create, my team could have me create some personal or some videos that will address some of those questions that come in quite frequently, but say, Hey, I reckon my, somebody, so for example, let's just say, Sarah, you reached out to me with, Hey Cliff, I really enjoyed this piece of content that you shared as a result of what you said. It's radically changed my life, you know, or, or it's changed my feeling about this. Thank you so much for what you're doing. So maybe what, what happens is somebody in my team receives that email and they say, Hey, thank you for this. Um, uh, Cliff has, in, you know, assigned me the task of going through and making sure that all of the emails that he receives is re- are read. And based upon what you shared, uh, he's created a standard video response for somebody who's written what you've stated. And so, for example, that you may land on a page on my site that says, hey, thank you so much for reaching out to me and letting me know that the content that I have created has resonated with you in such a way that it's created change in your life. From the day I started podcasting and creating content in this world, it became clear to me that my mission and purpose is to create content that entertains, educates, encourages, and inspires people. And the fact that you not only listen to the content or watch the content or 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 t- take you know in the content, whether it's a paid product or service, the fact that you not only took it in and have taken action in your life, but you took the time out of your busy day to write to me means the world. And I'm so sorry that I'm not personally responding to you with a private email uh, where I've read exactly everything that you've read. But just know this, I wish that I could, but I can't do it for everyone. I just am so thankful that you took the time to do it. You know, it's like, I, that's those are so, some of those things that I could do. And I could have like 30 of those types of messages that are very unique to the types of different emails that can come in day after day after day. And I know it's not as personal, but it, but it's much better than just this idea of a bunch of emails that just get archived and you create what, and I do know people, I've heard people say this. It's like, I just declare email inbox bankruptcy. You know, it's like email bankruptcy. It's like, well, I, I have I, I have the same feeling about that as going up going out borrowing money from a bunch of lenders and then declaring bankruptcy. I'm sorry, I can't pay you all back. So Me, be it. I am now absolved of this responsibility. Exactly. Right? I feel like I feel like and I love that because I when you borrow money from a lender, 
that you are agreeing that there's some sort of responsibility. I wonder if some people fear putting content out because they will have some sort of responsibility of responding to the feedback and maybe even the criticism of other people. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And then, you know, there's some people who I think, um, you know, not only don't publish, but they they see fan mail or criticism or any sort of email response that they get to their content as, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this obligation. Therefore, uh, I don't need to respond to it, you know, because I didn't ask for it. And it kind of begs the question, well, if you create content, uh, you're starting a conversation. Of course, you're going to get responses back and that's your responsibility to deal with them. It, it, that, is our, that is a belief that you and I share. <laughs> I, like, I like that. I like that you brought it back to that. I, yes. I, I'm, not going, I'm not going to agree that that is a truth. Yes. It is, that is a, that those are thoughts that, we strong, that you and I both feel strongly or if we both feel certain are true. Yes, that is definitely a belief that I have because I know so many lovely people who do not share that belief and that works for them. But um, one thing that I remember is I emailed Seth Godin like years ago and his auto response, he is an autoresponder. So if you email him, you get this automated message back and it was beautiful. It's eloquent. And I remember it to this day and it made me feel respected and heard while also helping me understand that he cannot personally respond to every email he receives. Oh, cool. I'm going to send Seth a right now, an email right now yes. as we're talking. Yes. Check this out. Yes. Okay. Let's- email Seth right now and, and his autoresponder. And seriously, this was like four or five years ago, so it's maybe changed, but it it said, hey, it's Seth. Thanks for emailing me. I apologize that my workload is such that I can't respond personally to every email I receive, but uh, please know, blah, 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 blah. And it was just, it was simple and it was eloquent. And I, I remember it. it. It ended up being, for whatever reason, a memorable interaction with somebody who wasn't even on the other end to interact with me. Okay, so check this out. Okay. I would imagine it's Seth at SethGodin.com. Probably. So, and my subject line, I want to see your response. Uh, And I'm putting, I am sending an email just to see your auto response message. And I'm just hitting (laughs) close. So auto response message. There we go. I'm hitting send. We'll, We'll see what I get back. I hope you get something back. And if not, um, this is how nerdy I am. I kept my original response, uh, my autoresponder from Seth Godin from like four years ago, so I can totally forward it to you too. That's awesome. I love it. Sarah, this, this, is, this is content that is the type of content that is the Cliff Ravenscraft show. Conversations with people, and and I appreciate you. But before we've already talked for fifty six minutes. Do you have a few more minutes? Because I want to talk about something real quick. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Not interview format. I promise myself I went. But man, I am such a fan of Girl in Space. Thank you. I'm bad at taking compliments, but thank you. It is incredible. By the way, at Free the Dream, I told you this because I'm like I know I saw Sarah purchased a ticket to free the dream. And as soon as you purchased the ticket, I'm like, okay, I need to go search out that podcast. She's been talking about, I'm going to go listen to it. And even if it's horrible, I'm going to listen to it just so I know what she's doing. But it is so not horrible. It Thank is, you. it is. Can I use that as an official endorsement? Yes, it is can, so not horrible. Yes. If you, if you, if you ever put this, if you ever put girl in space in written form, you can put it on the front. This is so not horrible. 
Um, Cliff Ravenscraft. <laughs> it is so not horrible. No, it was so good. And in fact, at Free the Dream, I was telling you how much I love it. And it, it's on par with some of the best produced audio science fiction that I've ever listened to. I mean, it's by the way, I told you about the Bobaverse. Did you ever go and listen to that? No, not yet, but it's in my it's in my phone. Oh, yeah. So the first right one, here. We Are Bob, is the first uh, book in that series on Audible. Incredible. So I can't. And then there's a thing called Across the Space or Across the Across the Universe. Across the Universe. That's the second series. I bought that series. one too. Yeah. So, but it, it it reminds me so much of those. And and then I think about you know Passengers, which is the movie with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and. Uh, one of those cute boys that's in all the movies these days that my oh, wife Chris goes. Oh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Right? Yeah, I yeah. think. Passengers. It's great. So Across the Universe is a version of that story of they're off to Mars to recolonize and, you know, and stuff like that. But you're, you're, it's a science fiction audio drama is how this would be described. And it is available for free as a podcast. It is, yeah. How do you make money? <laughs> what an excellent question. <laughs> um, and actually, this is something, I don't know if this is something I learned from you or from Daniel J. Lewis years ago, but um, I started podcasting in the nonfiction side of things with the Right Now podcast and kind of very quickly realized that you never actually monetize the podcast itself. Right. Uh, you 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 use it as a calling card. You use it as a flagship piece of content that you then uh, use to create other income streams. And so uh, I, I used the Right Now podcast to do novel. Uh, I was ghostwriting books for a while. I ghostwrote something like seven or eight books. You do ghostwriting? Um, I do. Do you ghostwrite nonfiction? Yes. Oh my Should gosh. We talk? Well, w- when I'm ready... Uh, which I it, it, I definitely want to write books. Uh, remind me after this conversation, I want to tell you what I'm doing right now, which I'm so excited about in marketing. It is so incredible. But keep oh, going. Heck yes. Okay, so so you so you you do it to monetize. You were doing some ghostwriting. What else? Mm-hmm. Um, I started getting speaking gigs, which was you know obviously it's it wasn't something I thought of when I started podcasting, but you know I spent a lot of time talking, so you know you get good at it and you you learn to speak and enunciate and all that stuff. So uh, I was getting paid speaking gigs, um, just you know a lot of different things. I got invited to uh, write a column about podcasting for Forbes, which was really exciting. Um, and so I kind of still have that gig going, which is just really exciting. Um, basically it, it gives you a platform to be seen and to a platform from which you can create those meaningful relationships that we were talking about. It's not just, Hey, I'm shoving this thing out into the world, but it's, Hey, I created this thing. This thing is allowing me to be seen. And then what am I going to do? How am I going to react to being seen? And what can I do to help that build my career? And so that was one of the places that I launched the Girl in Space podcast from. And that was, I have a lot of listeners and um, I'm in a place where I have a message that I really want to share. And Cliff, it's very similar to your message. It's you have worth, you are seen, you are not invisible, you are not alone, you are loved. And that is the message that I wanted to bake into Girl in Space, even though it's a fictional show, you know, it still has a message. And um, 
So that's that's kind of what I did. And again, when I set out with this podcast, I didn't set out just to monetize it. I set out to make it a platform. I set out to make it a pedestal where I could stand and be and sort of be that figurehead. And so now I'm speaking at even more uh, more things. I have several secret goings on that I'm not allowed to talk about right now, but I think you'll be very excited uh, to see in the near future with the show. Um, but it's just, if you make it about your message and about forming relationships and not about, hey, look how great I am, uh, I think that that's really where things come into play. And ironically, monetization begins to happen. Well, there are a couple of things that I love. Number one, I totally see like HBO or Netflix reaching out to you at some point in the future to create a actual like production of this. There's no doubt in my mind. It, it is the story is that good. Thank you. So, so I see that in your future. Um, number two, I've seen some audio dramas done by some other people in podcast form. I've subscribed to several over the years. And quite frankly, when I heard that I was hesitant to actually jump into yours because, well, my experience with audio dramas via a podcast has not been a great experience. Now, I have run into one of my concerns, and that is now I have to wait till the next thing. I mean, as, <laughs> but, that, but really, that's, that's a good problem. That, that's, that's no different than like when I was got into the Bobaverse, which is We Are Bob. Um, when I got into the Bobaverse, you know, I had to wait until the next book was released. So that's, it's kind of like that. The other one is, is there's been a number of podcasts where like the episodes are three minutes long and there's like a 45 or 47 second intro and then there's an outro. And it's like you get maybe, a you know, I, I may be exaggerating, but it's a majority of the content is either the intro and then the begging of Patreon support or something like that. And I'm like, am I going to get into another one? I'd rather just can I just give you 15 bucks and give me an MP3 with the entire story? I'd much rather do that. So oh, heck yeah, I love that idea. Well, by the way, I, I would love to, the thing is, I, I don't know why, but I'm not a fan of Patreon. Um, and, a lot of people aren't, which is, I'm glad that you said that because a lot of people aren't, but that's my main bread and butter right now. Yeah, no, yeah. I, and I get it. And, and part of matter of fact, part of me wants to become a, go back to Patreon and create another account with them. And, and I, and if I did, I would go back and support my friends, Greg and Jennifer Willits. I would f- support my friend, father Roder- Roderick, Roderick von Hogan. And I would, I would so sign up to support girl in space and get that missing content, that extra content that I'm missing. But I mean, I'd just rather just just finish the darn thing and give me the whole audio thing, and I'll I'll send you twenty five. I'll I'll pay you thirty bucks for this thing. It's so good. Seriously, (laughs) I like that the price kept going up there. That's that makes me feel good. It's it's seriously. I'm not just saying that because you're on here. It is that valuable. I really do. I'm going to tell you a little a secret. Um, I I would love to totally rip off your story. And create an audio drama fiction story of the secret recording. So, like you know, found recording. What yeah, do you yeah. Call it? It's found footage. Is that found what it's footage, called? Yeah. So, I want to create a found footage version of my life. <laughs> so, basically, a fictional story about a guy who's an insurance agent in this unknown northern Kentucky town, who all of a sudden has a passion for creating content and discovers a love of just making people feel great and helping them achieve greatness in life and and find their path and to actually do an audio journal like where at this guy as he's creating it 
every single night he records what he's experienced that day, but it's the real stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I have this thought. I had this email come from this person, you know, and this is how I felt. And and it would be very raw, very real. But the thing is, is the only thing is, is I would want it to be the true stories. And there are so many things that are just so inappropriate for me to share that I would so desperately want to share in that. And people are like, I can't believe you did that. I don't know. I think, I mean, it's it's very interesting. Fiction allows us to tell truths in a way that nonfiction really doesn't. Yeah. Um, so if, if you could get away with it in any medium, it would be like a fictional audio drama. So I kind of love that. The funny thing is, is I, I don't know if you know this, but I did a show called Pursuing a Balanced Life. Yes. Which was, I think there's like over almost 700 episodes of me holding a digital recorder while I'm out walking, talking about what I'm experiencing in life. And the reality is, is that there are some of those episodes that quite frankly are a little bit, probably more than I should have shared, but never about somebody else. The thing is, is you only got the stuff that would be appropriate for me to share on my end. The only thing that are, that is a little bit cross the line of what's appropriate is I got a little bit more raw and authentic about how I was feeling mm-hmm. than, than probably most people are even comfortable hearing somebody say, you know, it's like I was, there was times when I was in the depths of depression in my first year of building my business. And I'm literally recording a podcast episode talking about my thoughts as I'm in the midst of a severe, deep depression. Mm-hmm. And, and there was one where my, my biological dad, who ha, has since passed away, uh, he and I did not have a great experience growing up. He was addicted to drugs, alcoholic, and, and stuff like that. And there was a period of time when he would, you know, he would, sometimes he would never want anything to do with me. And all I want is to have a connection and relationship with him. And then there were times when the opposite of that was true, where he would call me 15, 20 times a day, leave me a voicemail every five minutes, and and I'm just like, I wish he would leave me alone. I, 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 I'm a Christian. I know that. I should love him. And, and there were times where I'm like, guys, in my podcast, I was like, quite frankly, I, sh- I, I don't want anything to do with the guy. And I'm sitting there saying this in a podcast. This is not right. I shouldn't be doing this. So I, but man, there are some stories about relationships that I had with other people and, and exchanges that... Yeah, I sometimes I wish I could write a fiction novel <laughs> and, tell, uh, and tell some of these stories. I think that you need to do that. Well, and then there's the genre of creative nonfiction where you do take real events and you kind of weave them together in a poetic way that gives you a little bit of creative license. But um, I, it, part of the, I, I know that you say it's like, oh, nobody wants to hear this, but I feel like part of the reason you've been so successful is you illuminate those truths. Like yeah. you, you, you illuminate those true feelings that we've all had and, and you make them, I don't want to say necessarily like you normalize them, but you, you make it, re- you make us realize as we're listening to them, like, Oh my gosh, I have thoughts like that all the time. And he's being honest about it. And there's, there's something really beautiful and valuable in that too. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So girl in space, I absolutely love it. Um, Thank you. It is so incredible. Uh, one one thing I can tell you, because as you know, I, I happen to have a little bit of experience of what it takes to produce a podcast episode. And I know, a little bit. I got to tell you, on a scale of one to 10, the audio quality of every single episode of Girl in Space is a 50 on a scale of <laughs> one you. to 10. It is absolute perfection. And I do not use those words lightly. And trust me, I'm a very critical person when it comes to audio quality. Oh my gosh. Um, production value of 
just the fact that the amount of time, effort, and energy that goes into adding every sound effect, every echo and reverb and every, the, the, the way that you make, you know, you can tell when you're actually pretending that you're recording into the recorder versus playing back the sound of your voice being played back from the recorder. It's brilliant. By the way, are you doing that or is somebody else doing that for you? No, I do everything myself. Incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Sarah, seriously, it is absolutely, I, I know people out there that that can't come close to what you've done without a team of 10, 15, 20 people working on it. And I, I want everybody, seriously, go and subscribe to Girl in Space. It is incredible. And I and and again, I, if if I didn't believe those things, we just wouldn't be talking. We would have just glossed over "Girl in Space" and say, "Hey, it's a great podcast," and we wouldn't went on. But I, I really mean those words, so I want you to know that. Thank you. That wow, you you are the person who I first listened to about podcasting. Like th- this is um, it's like even being on your show. Like this is just like completely weird and surreal. But then to have you talk about my show uh, that I made modeling you know, the original course that I took, uh, I think it was podcasting 101 or... Yeah, um, learn how to podcast 101. Yeah. Exactly. That's how I learned to podcast. And so this is just all the lessons that you taught me coming back to you. So thank you. That is awesome. I love it. (laughs) So one last thing. Do you still have another minute? Oh, absolutely. So get this. I I so see me. I I, I might reach out to you. Oh, wait. (gasps) Seth Godin. I don't, he said, he emailed me personally. He says, I don't, he says, I don't have an auto response message because I trust people not to abuse my open email email inbox Uh, (laughs) sent via superhuman. (laughs) Awesome. I love Seth. That's great. Um, Let's see here. That is wonderful. What is, oh, so I want to share with you um, in my business, I have been working for the very first time with a professional copywriter. Did you know that prior to podcasting, I was convinced that I would be reaching tens of thousands of people through the books that I would Mm -hmm. write? That I thought for sure that my gift in this world was the con. I, I still, I've known for years, way before podcasting, that that my mission in this world was to create content that would radically transform people's lives. But before I recorded my voice into my very first podcast episode, I was on the path of becoming an author. And the funny thing is, is today. I'd much rather have a root canal every day of the week, seven (laughs) days a week for an entire year than to even write a single page worth of written content. I love that you said that. I love this because it's so true. I hate to write. And the thing is, is I'm an excellent writer when I sit yeah. down to do it. And back in the day, I, I literally, Sarah, I would get up at 4.30 in the morning sometimes and I would write for like five hours and it would be so life-giving to me until yeah. I learned that I could speak it all in a podcast episode and I wouldn't have to go back and edit it. You know, it's like, this is incredible. You know, people, it's like, I write, I can write a blog post and I could spend four hours and you know what I get in the comments? Nine out of 10 of the comments were, did you see that you made this typo? Did you see this typo? Did you see this typo? I create a Mm -hmm. podcast episode, 40 minutes, live to drive, no editing. 
And I've said all kinds of ums and all this other stuff. And do you know what feedback I get? Nine out of 10. Wow, that radically transformed my life, Cliff. Thank you so much for saying those words. I can't begin to, it's like, dude, I am never writing again. Yeah. <laughs> but It's so funny you say that because I'm a blogger turned podcaster for very, very similar reasons. Yes. So the interesting thing is that, well, owning a business, quite frankly, so much of being an effective marketer. And there's nothing wrong. We have products and services that have the power to change people's lives. And yeah, I've been very successful for more than a decade selling nearly a million dollars worth of podcasting A to Z. Nearly $1 million worth of podcasting A to Z, my four-week group coaching program. And a majority of that, I would say 95% of all of those sales came as a result of my audio podcast and my some of my uh, vlog video content. And very little email communication to my audience. Now, the thing is, though, is during the last days of, of that I was offering podcast coaching and consulting through Podcasting A to Z, I started to get more serious about my emails. And the little bits that I forced myself to email, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much more effective than a podcast episode or a, or a video for getting people to click a link to buy something. Whoa, email communication is where it's at. Or even written word in social media, is, is, it is so essential. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is I can do it. I could write it. I have friends like Ray Edwards that gives me the pastor framework for knowing exactly how to do this stuff. But it's seriously, sir, I would rather go to the dentist and have a root canal. I, it would be more pleasurable to do that. I, I'd, I'd have root canal on top of a root canal if oh that's gosh. possible. That seriously, I hate to write emails. So. <laughs> I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I'm <laughs> uh, just saying. So I, I am working with a friend of mine. I'm going to say his name for the very first time in this podcast. His name is Rusty Ryle. All right. I met him at Ray Edwards Copywriting Academy a couple years ago at his live event. And Rusty and I have developed a very close friendship. And I have discovered the joy of letting somebody else take my words that I speak with enthusiasm, with my inflection, and, and I tell my stories through a video that I create, and then I have a professional like Rusty take all of that, and with his research and knowing my voice, he will then craft an expertly, professionally written piece of content that will get people to click through and watch that video or to click through and go to that page to submit an application or to buy that product or service. So get this, I, I wanna read to you. Can I read to you something? Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, please. So I'm, I'm creating a marketing campaign for the Next Level Mastermind. Listen to this email. The subject line, by the way, I wouldn't even have come up with this subject line. And it, it would have taken me a month to come up with this. Subject. Crunch time, a cruise, my wife alone on Valentine's Day? Question mark. Okay, now you're you're uh, gonna yeah. You want to open that email, right? So he yeah. he came up with that. Which, by the way, when if you watch the video that all of this leads to, you see. I mean, it's it's all stuff that was in me, and the video you got it all right. But it's yep. a 32 minute video. What am I gonna do to convince you to click and watch a 32 minute e uh, video, right? 
I could write to you, hey, Sarah, check out this 32-minute video. I promise you it'll be worth your time and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? A couple people love me, know, like, and trust me. They'll click and watch it. But what if the email said this? Are you ready? Check this out. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready right now. I love this. This is so cool. In 2011, I was invited to speak on Dan Miller's No More Mondays Cruise, a seven-day couples cruise that would happen over Valentine's Day. The opportunity was by far the biggest of my business journey and quite frankly was the type of gig that I often dreamed of landing. I knew that if I could deliver on this stage in front of Dan Miller's community, the trajectory of my business would radically change forever. But there was a big problem. I couldn't afford to go. Not that the money wasn't in the account, but my business and life wasn't set up so that I could leave it for up to 11 days. At the time, one-on-one coaching paid the bills. Hold on, I wasn't talking to you, Siri. Silly Siri. I know. At the time, one-on-one coaching consulting paid the bills. And if I left to go away for a seven-day cruise, 100% of my income would stop for the length of the time that I was away. The temporary financial impact of this pause in our income and finding childcare for our three young children made me anxious. Stephanie was even more anxious about leaving our three children at home and suggested that I go on the cruise without her, but with her full support and blessing. I'm embarrassed to admit that I actually considered going on the cruise alone. (laughs) However, I knew in my heart that leaving the love of my life at home on Valentine's Day, caring for our three children all alone while I was on a pleasure cruise would be a decision that I would regret for a lifetime. There was no way that I could go on this cruise without Stephanie, and Stephanie was not going to go on this cruise without our children. What in the world was I going to do? It was crunch time, and this opportunity was staring me eye, at me eye to eye. I knew that I had to seize this once-in-a-lifetime moment. I made a bold decision. We will all go. All five of us. (laughs) Bottom line, I had to make it work. The future of my business and my family depended on it. I did the math. I needed a way to generate an additional $16,000 that would be above and beyond what I was expected to already earn that month. Also, I had to make that income in such a way that would not require my working with folks individually. Watch this video to find out how it all went down. I need to watch this video. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Oh, I love it. I love it. The, and the thing is, is now the thing is, is Rusty watched my video and he crafted that email. And I would say that 92% of that email is 100% of what Rusty submitted to me. And 8% of it, uh, maybe one or two lines are actually 100% mine. And I tweaked a couple words here and there. But what I can tell you right now, for me to craft that email would take me three days. Mm-hmm. It took me 38 minutes to create the video. You see what I'm saying? Oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, why have I not done this sooner? And the reality is I have so many books in me. There are so <laughs> many stories. And and yeah, so to hear that you, because if, if you're still doing ghostwriting in the future, you and I may be, we may be talking. 
Yes, please. Let me know. <laughs> I'd love to work with you. That would be a delight. <laughs> Sarah, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. And more than anything, and, and this is how I'm going to frame it, you have not been a guest on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I don't want you to ever tell anybody that you were a guest on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show because you were not. Okay. You have never been interviewed on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I want to thank you for being a co-host of an episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Thank you for having me, Cliff. This has been a, just a really beautiful experience. I don't even have words for it, and I'm a writer, so thank you. <laughs> Real quickly, I know folks are going to be interested in learning more. How do, Obviously, Girl in Space in your favorite podcast directory, that's easy. Right Now Podcast, W-R-I-T-E, now podcast, both of those in your favorite podcast directory. But for those who are right now at this very moment sitting in front of their computer and they can type into a browser, where do they find you online? SarahWerner.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. Everything is out there. And so you can find my shows, my courses, my social media, SarahWerner.com. Wow. Oh my gosh. So I just finished listening to the second half of my conversation with Sarah Warner, pretty much just like you just finished listening to it. Uh, Oh my, this was so good. And it's not what was planned ahead of time. Originally, I was going to do that interview with Sarah. I was going to ask her all kinds of things about her past and all, but it just wasn't gelling for me, that interview format. And this was a decision on the fly. I literally hit the record button as I explained to her my decision right there on the spot to shift it from an interview to a conversation to having her from, instead of being on as a guest as and, and instead having her as a co-host for this episode. And it could not have turned out better. This was incredible. Sarah Warner, thank you so much. Guys, go check out her podcasts. Check out her website, sarahwarner.com. And this was the first time I mentioned working with Rusty Ryle. And my friends, if you found the copy from that email that I just read here at the end compelling, know that all of the the facts, the details, all of that is inside a 38-minute video. But how do you take, or how do I take that 38 minutes of what that video is about and the compelling story that's enclosed and entice you to watch that 38 minutes in a brief as brief as possible in a quick email and that's exactly what Rusty did for me and I will tell you the open rates on that email and then uh, the click through rate to that video is off the charts results like I've never experienced before. And you're going to hear me talk about Rusty in the future. He's He and I have been working together for several weeks now on the Next Level Mastermind marketing campaign. And my results of this campaign, well, first of all, it's the first official like real auto email responder sequence campaign that I've ever done the way that all of my internet marketing successful friends do. And the only reason I've never done it before is because I never felt the desire to sit down and write those emails, to to create an an effective email autoresponder sales marketing campaign. You must write email marketing copy. And 
I just, I, I, I told Sarah, and you heard her, or you heard, I, I, I'd rather have uh, a root canal every day of the week for seven days straight than to sit down and write emails for one of these sequences. And Rusty took away that pain, and it has been a joy. And I'm going to continue to work with Rusty on uh, email marketing campaigns in the future. Uh, it is an incredible experience. I will tell you that there are lots of copywriters out there. Rusty is incredible. And not to mention the fact that he was trained by one of the best, my great friend, Ray Edwards. And so he is a Ray Edwards certified copywriter. And I could not recommend him highly enough. If you are, if you have a product or service that is already very successfully uh, selling, meaning that you already have people who have purchased your product or service, and it you're, it's generating you a significant amount of income. the The thing is, is you're at a stage now where you would really like to amp it up. You'd like to create one of these effective marketing campaigns with with an email autoresponder sequence. You know, I, I, I the word sales funny still sounds a little sleazy to me, but creating that funnel so that you don't have to keep reinventing your marketing every time you need new clients. If you know that if the sales come through, it's going to be a profitable venture for you, then it's time to hire somebody like Rusty if you feel the way that I do about writing emails. And I can I can personally vouch for Rusty, and I'll talk more about him in the future because I could not be happier. But I just want to just give you Rusty's email address. It's Rusty at RustyRyle.com. And Ryle is spelled R-Y-A-L. So it's R-U-S-T-Y at R-U-S-T-Y-R-Y-A-L.com. Rusty at RustyRyle.com. He told me that you can personally email him. Just mention me in the email. Let him know that you heard from him from me. By the way, I'm not. we have not created any sort of arrangement where I get a commission or anything like that. I just want people to hire Rusty because he is incredible at writing copy, and if you have a product or service that if it sells and it has had a track record of selling and doing wonderful things for your customers, then if you're ready to amp that up, take it to the next level, the marketing of that product or service, rusty at rustyryle.com. Send him an email. Tell him Cliff says hello. All right, guys, this was way longer than I anticipated, but man, do I feel great about this episode. I hope you do as well. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level.